0: Podcast for people, Father, Jesus. What's going on, everyone? My name is Brian Williams, and I am the pastor of Restoration Church in Traverse City, Michigan. Thanks so much for allowing us into your digital life and tuning in to this message. If you'd like to get involved with anything we have going on, you can do so at RestorationTC.com. While you're there, you can find out about events, get to know a little bit more about what we believe, and you can also give a donation. Now, we're set up a little different than most in that we have a community account where 100% of your donation goes directly back into the community, both locally and globally. We've partnered with organizations like Freedom Builders here in Traverse City, World Orphans, and Charity Water. We also have an overhead account that helps fund the mission and vision of the church. Our vision is people following Jesus, and our mission is transparency, community, and change. Thanks again for checking out the message. Now let's get to it. Good morning, Restoration. How you guys doing? Yeah, it's kind of rainy and crappy. Let's have a word of prayer first before we uh, get started with some announcements and things like that. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love. God, thank you that uh, your love is extravagant to us, God. We, it's not something that we get to earn or, um, or, or that we can, can attain. God, you just, you just give it to us. And so we thank you for that love, uh, and we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for the rain, and it's in your precious name, the name of Jesus, that we pray. Amen. All right, we've got, uh, it, it's Fair Week here in Northern Michigan, which is always exciting for some people. I don't know which people those are, but uh, some of them are there right now. And so I would rather be inside of a building rather than just uh, in the mud somewhere with animals and you're not really sure if it's mud or if it's something else. And so I, I, I like concrete, because um, I, I know for sure <laughs> what, I, what I'm on. Um, but Fair Week is a big week, and uh, this is the start of Fair, and that's where Clayton and his family is this week as well. If you if you know the Porters at all, uh, they've got about every animal uh, you can you can think of. So uh, they're they're there doing the fair thing, and uh, this Sunday is the opening of it. Next Sunday uh, is what I call from the U2 song, Sunday Bloody Sunday. It's where the the animals are then <laughs> taken away. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Sunday Bloody Sunday and um, <clears throat> you're welcome for that. Uh, we got a couple of, of things we have going on here at Restoration, number one is this coming Saturday is uh, the DK5K, which is pretty awesome. If you signed up for that, that's gonna be this Saturday. Um, that is with the organization 22 to None, which is an organization that uh, is trying to end veteran suicide. There's 22 veteran suicides every single day and they're trying to get that number to zero. So uh, we're gonna do this 5k, it's a Tough Mudder type run, there's obstacles, all that kind of stuff. I'm volunteering, I'm not running because um, I can't run in flip-flops very well at a Tough Mudder. So uh, Summertime, the, the the flip-flops never come off in Northern Michigan because we have to take advantage of it. So I'll be volunteering uh, and I'll be there and so I hope you guys are all signed up and ready to be there as well, on September 12th, we're having an anniversary party. Uh, this is our very first year anniversary party on September. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <clears throat> it's actually September 13th, but we thought it would be weird to have a church service on a Monday morning and not very many people would be here. Um, and so we're going to do it on the 12th. It's, it's one year in. We're, we're almost one year in to this crazy thing. And uh, there's, a fly. there's still that fly from earlier. Um, and, and we're excited about what God's doing. We're going to have some special stuff. There, there might or might not be some pulled pork for us after the service, which is pretty great if you like that kind of thing. Not everybody does, but, you know, most people do. We're going to have pulled pork. We're going to ask you to bring a dish to pass, and we're going to celebrate what God's done, what he has done in the last year, and also what he's going to do in the year to come. So you're not going to want to miss that weekend. That's September 12th, and we've got some cool stuff lined up. Uh, for that and then last but not least we have um, our our giving platform which is you can go online to restorationtc.com backslash give you can find out all about how we give why we give and where we give uh, with with our finances here at restoration church we have an overhead account and we have a community account we assume you want to give to the community account so if you put any money in the um, the change jar over there Uh, If it's cash or whatever, as long as you don't say that you want it to go to the overhead, it goes into the community account. We assume you want to give back to the community, and so uh, we we default all the giving uh, to our community account unless you specify otherwise. So we're really excited about what uh, has transpired again over the last year. Uh, We'll be bringing some of those reports on the 12th, and that is, um, we're we're pretty excited about that. Did a light just go out? I think a light just went out. Uh, Has nothing to do with the sermon, the light. Or does it? I don't know. We are in the last week of promises. Uh, We have been studying the book of Genesis, and we are in the last week of promises. This is Genesis chapter 26. Our series started with that escalated quickly because in in chapter 1, we get creation. In chapter 2, we get more info on creation. Chapter 3, we get a fall. Chapter 4, we get some kids, and then it just kind of spirals out of control. It escalates quickly, and it ends with um, with, with, with the flood and the Tower of Babel. So that was that escalated quickly. We, we then went into uh, uh, Promises, which is the week we're in right now. And that is the last week. We've looked at the life of Abraham, started in Genesis chapter 12, and we are now in 26, which means we have 24 chapters yet to go in Genesis, which is quite a bit, but we're gonna be starting a brand new series in Genesis next week. And uh, we hope you guys are as excited about that uh, as I am I'm really excited about the next series mostly because the name we're gonna get to that later on um, but we're in uh, Genesis ch- 26 today and we're gonna start in verse 1 which is a really great place to start I think alright Genesis 26 verse 1 I read from the ESV it'll be on the screen most likely uh, now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. All right, so right here, verse 1, we have context. Everything you need to know is right here in verse 1 to get you up to speed. So we've got Isaac. He's in the land of Gerar, and he's got his dad Abraham. Abraham was Isaac's dad. He's passed away, and now the story shifts to Isaac, and there is a famine in the land. There's a giant famine in the land, and... uh, Isaac is in the land of promise. God told Abraham to go to this land. Abraham went to this land. Isaac has stayed there. And now he had everything. Abraham, or Isaac had all of the, the inheritance from Abraham. He had all the animals. He had all the servants. He had everything from, from Abraham. And Isaac finds himself in a famine. And that doesn't make sense, right? Because Isaac is doing what God has called him to do, yet he still finds himself in a famine. Which brings some questions in, in my mind. If you feel like you're in you're you're doing what God is calling you to do and you find yourself in a famine, it doesn't mean you're not doing what God's called you to do. Sometimes we're just in a season of famine. Sometimes it's not just about us, but it's the season that we find ourselves in. I think back to when the the housing market crashed and some of us felt like, "Oh, what is God doing to me? I I'm, I'm I'm losing everything." I don't know that God was doing anything to you. I think we were in a famine. It's a widespread thing that was going on right now with, with COVID. I, it's, it's a pandemic, which is kind of like a famine. It's not happening to you personally. There's, there, like, sometimes we just find ourselves in a famine. And we don't understand what that reasoning is. Sometimes life just sucks. Sometimes life just sucks. Sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes we find ourselves in, in a season of, of, of famine. Isaac, here in verse 1, finds himself in a season of famine. So he goes to Gerar, which is where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, is. So he's heading down to Egypt, essentially. Let's pick it up back in verse 2. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. "'For to you and to your offspring I will give you all these lands, "'and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. "'I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven "'and will give to you your offspring all these lands, "'and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. "'Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, "'my commandments, my statutes, and my laws.' So the promise is reiterated to Isaac. He's like a lot like like how we are, right? If we find ourselves in want, if we find ourselves in in a season of famine, we think, well, I better move and go do something else. Maybe that means God is telling me to go. Maybe God is telling me that uh, this door is closing. Whenever one door closes, another one opens, right? Whatever that phrase is. Not always. Sometimes all the doors are closed, and we just have to stay right where we're at. And, and, and so that's what Isaac is up against. He's like, maybe I'm supposed to go now. So he starts heading down towards Egypt, and God stops him in Gerar. It says, "Don't go any further. Do not go another step. Stay in the land that I've called you to." God re- reiterates the promise to Isaac. He's comforted. Isaac is comforted in this moment. God says, "You're in a famine. That's going to happen." See, this is hard for us to understand because how many of us equate blessing with riches? How many of us equate blessing with with a financial gain of some kind? How many of you guys ever hear uh, when you're going through a drought, when you're going through a season, man, God has really blessed me. I've lost everything. I lost my house. I lost my 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 job. I lost all of my income. The Lord is really blessing me today. I'm feeling. I am too blessed to be stressed. Right? <clears throat> Nobody says that when things are really crappy. So we need to be reminded of that. We equate blessing with financial freedom. But that's wrong. <laughs> that's wrong. Blessing isn't financial freedom. If, if blessing was financial freedom, just go with me here for a second. If, if blessing, if we equated finances with, with blessing, God's blessing, then what do we say to all the Christians in third world countries? Who are, who are as poor as dirt and don't know when their next meal is going to come from. Are they cursed by God or are they blessed by God? See, we've got a question of faith here at this point. If we say, you know what, uh, blessing, I, I'm so blessed by God. I've got a house. I've got a, I've, got, I've got a job. I've got kids. I've got a family. I live in a great country. That means I'm blessed by God. I think we need to change what blessed by God means we need to change the lens because what are we saying again to those people in a third world country who have absolutely nothing on the contrary I I know a lot of rich non-christian people I'm sure you do too I mean you can just go down to Hollywood and see all the actors and the celebrities that have all this money I mean you can just drive through and see all these mansions Be like wow are, are they all blessed by God because of all of their financial securities So what does blessed by God actually mean? Maybe it means more than just what is a material world for us. I'm not saying that those things are wrong. Don't hear me say that we shouldn't have money, we shouldn't have things. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we need to understand that things and blessing are not the same. Can we get behind that? Cool. All right. I can. I think everybody online can too. So, Let's keep going. Oh, one, one other thing we get moving so fast, right? Isaac is like, I need to get going. I need to leave this place. I need, because this is not a place for me. So Isaac is is saying, like, I got to go. And God stops him. And I wonder how many of us, myself included, when we start to feel that famine, when we start to feel that, that pinch, we start to move, and we start to distract ourselves, and we don't listen to what God is telling us to do we get so distracted by what's on our phones by by the media around us by whatever the culture around us we don't just stop and, and and sit and wait and listen we never sit still long enough to hear god speak we just keep going maybe god wants us to sit still for a second and listen well, just had an idea All right, verse 7. I hope that doesn't keep happening today because I'm going to get really distracted if that's the case. All right, verse 7. I forgot to read verse 6 for you. So Isaac settled in Gerar. There. Uh, Verse 7. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, (laughs) She is my sister. For he feared to say, My wife thinking, lest the men of this place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. We've heard this one before, haven't we? His good old dad, Abraham, did the exact same thing twice to his wife, Sarah, which was kind of his sister. So that, you know, we'll look back later. I'm not going to cover that right now. Isaac does the exact same thing that his dad did. Have you ever, guys, have you ever said something so dumb in front of your wife to someone else, not to your wife, but from someone else, like... I, can you imagine Isaac right now? He's, he's, he's with these people in Gerar. The people are like, hey, who's this young lady right here? And he said, "Uh, that's my sister. And behind him, he can feel Rebecca's stare at him. The laser stare of like, what did you just say? Anyone, No one can can relate to to saying something so ridiculous that your wife is glaring at you from behind. They're like, why are you doing this to me right now? (laughs) What are you saying? You are in so much trouble later. When you turn around and you see my eyes, you are going to be very, very sorry. (laughs) No one else. All right, just, that doesn't happen to me either. So, Um, yeah. Isaac says something so dumb. He's like, no, this is my sister. He's looking out for himself. Right after he hears from God, he goes and does something like this. How true of us too, right? Oh, God wants me to do this. God wants me to do that. I think I'm going to mess up. (laughs) That's true for me. Verse (laughs) 8. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought, lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So Abimelech gives out this decree. This is not the exact same Abimelech as before with Abraham. Just side note, Abimelech was a name given to whoever was the king in that area. So it could have been the same Abimelech, but most likely it was a different one, okay? And he sees Isaac, he's like, you know, just hanging out. And and he looks out his window because Isaac is settled in Gerar. He's settled nearby. And he sees Isaac laughing with Rebecca, which isn't a cause for concern, right? But in the KJV, it says that he was sporting with Rebecca, which sounds a little bit different. (laughs) I mean, (sighs) he was sporting with Rebecca, which is is different than just laughing. Okay? Do you get that? He was playing ping pong with Rebecca. I don't know. The NIV says that he was caressing Rebecca. Whatever it was, they were doing some married-type stuff, okay? And uh, and, and so Isaac, or Isaac Abimelech looks down, sees 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 Isaac sporting with Rebecca, and uh, and says, "This, what kind of Kentucky stuff is this, right? Like, this, that's his sister? Sorry, I've thrown Kentucky under the bus a couple of times in the last few weeks, and I'm I'm am not gonna apologize. <laughs> he he." Uh, he sees this happening He's like this is, this is bizarre And so he goes down there and confronts him And once again just like in the story of Abraham Abimelech the pagan king Calls out the righteous person Calls out the Christian The secular person Calls out the Christian person On, on, their, on their actions On what they're doing Man if that doesn't speak to today again Calls out the religious person And he gives this decree. He whoever touches this woman is going to be put to death. Whoever touches this guy is going to be put to death. You are protected in my land. Verse 12, and Isaac sowed in that land and, and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. Hold on, Brian. You just said the Lord blessed him with a hundredfold crop. And you just said earlier that blessing isn't equated with finances. This is something, remember, they are in a famine right now. They're in a giant famine, and there's nothing that could have warranted a hundredfold crop yield. I'm still not 100% certain what that term means, but it's 100 times as much. Basically, it was about a hundredfold. In, in this scenario, in this case, in a famine, this is unheard of to have a bumper crop like this Remember, it's a famine. Things are not going well in the area. To have a hundredfold crop would be a a banner year in in other, other years when it's not a famine. In a famine, this is unheard of. So this is an act of God. Sometimes our blessing, quote unquote, whatever that blessing is, often points to someone other than me. Do you catch that? God is doing something here that nothing makes sense with it. It, 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 It's unfounded. The blessing is not about me. It's not about you. It's what God is doing through us. He's going to get the glory. So there's this bumper crop. Verse 13, And the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. They were starting to get annoyed by, by Isaac and his great wells and everything that he had going for him. He was like, Ah, oh, this is annoying. Ever get annoyed by people that have more than you? <laughs> I don't <laughs> This is, that's not christian so i don't do it um <laughs> wells are incredibly important here remember we've talked about this before wells are, are so important in this time because they live in the, the middle east i don't know if you've ever been i haven't but i've seen a lot of movies based in the middle east and it's kind of deserty there's a lot of sand water's scarce to come by Wells are a commodity, and they're not easy to dig in this time. They can't just bring the backhoe in and start digging it out. It's got to be all man labor. It's hard work. And Abimelech said to uh, verse 16 again, and Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Now Isaac knows that he's blessed by God, right? Isaac knows that he's supposed to be in this land. Isaac knows that this is his wealth, this is his money. Now, what would you do in that circumstance? If you're you're being told to go away, give up all your money, give up all your stuff, and get out of here because we don't want you here. We'd put up a fight, right? I'm not getting, you're not getting my stuff. You're not getting my, my, my wells that I've dug, all this stuff. I've built a brand, I've built a name for myself. I've built this company up. You cannot tell me what to do. Right? So Isaac is like, he's probably going to tell, tell Abimelech, hey, go back home. Stop, stop messing with us. right? This is my stuff, my property, my land. Get out of here. He's got a right to do that, right? Isaac does? Sure, why not? It's his stuff. Let's see what the, the fight that breaks out. Verse 17. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac. You just gave up everything, man. You just left? You just left your wells? You just left everything that you would just had? You just, you just up and left? That's counterculture, isn't it? Verse 18 And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Grar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So he called its name Sitna, and he moved from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us and shall be fruitful in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant's sake, for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord, pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Alright, so he digs a bunch of wells, and those people from Gerar kept following Isaac around and following his men around and, and claiming every single well. And Isaac just kept moving along. He, just, he would build another well, he would build another well, he would build another well. And he named these, these, these names that he gave these wells that he had already built, he named them contention and opposition. That's what those two words means. Contention and opposition is what he named those wells. And then the last well, when he finally dug it and they kind of left him alone, he, he, named, that room, uh, he named that well um, the well of, uh, of, of roominess. He's finally got some room. He keeps digging up these wells and digging up these wells. He got to work. And he's getting tired of building all of these wells. And he finally gets to the last well. And he doesn't build the well first. He builds an altar first to God. He says, I'm going to do this the right way this time. I've looked out for number one first. I've done this thing. It hasn't worked out for me very well. I've been digging this up all on my own, and and, and I keep getting it taken away. So now I'm finally going to do what I think I'm supposed to do. He takes the well and uh, or before he builds the well he builds an altar and he says I'm gonna worship first you guys and they're probably saying but we need water we need we need stuff we need to make sure that we get all of our stuff together we need to make sure that we have all of our supplies and start digging this well so that we can have some water so that we can feed our animals there's a lot of animals here and we got to take care of each other and Isaac is like no before we do another thing before we do another piece of work we're gonna stop and we're gonna worship together we're gonna stop and we're gonna worship and then we'll build he was done looking out for number one. See, a lot of us have this idea that we'll worship as, as soon as we are in a good place. You know, we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll be generous once we finally get ours. Once I reach this income level, once I finally get to this plateau, once I finally reach this mountain, then I'll be more generous with my time, with my talent, and with my tithe. But until that time, I've got to take care of myself first. That's the way Isaac was living, building these wells. He's like, I've got to take care of me. I've got to take care of my family and everything that I've got. And then finally on the last one, he's like, I'm so tired of looking out for myself. I'm going to worship first. I'm just going to worship first and see, see what happens. Let's worship. Let's build an altar. And then we'll get to digging this well. Verse 26. Verse <clears> 26. <throat> When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with that guy, Ahuzeth, his advisor, and Fickle, (laughs) the commander commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, saying that you hate me, and have sent me away from you? He is exhausted. Isaac is, you guys are back again. The three people I really didn't want to see ever again. They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now blessed of the Lord. Excuse me? Excuse me? You came and took all of my wells, you filled all of them up with dirt, and then when we built more wells, you decided that they were yours, and now you come to me and say you want a peace treaty, and you say that you, you've treated us with peace and fairly? Excuse me. I don't think so. That's our response, right? Whenever something happens against us, I've done that before. I remember one time I got uh, laid off of a job because I was really bad at it. And a couple years later, I, I collected unemployment and all that kind of stuff. It was a good time, really, really great time in my life. And uh, a couple years later, I, um, I got this notice from the state of Michigan that said that uh, my unemployment was being, this was, I wasn't on unemployment anymore, but um, the unemployment that I had was, was being um, objected against. Like they were saying that I wasn't, really unemployed or something, like, the, that my employer had, had filed this, this objection to my unemployment money, and I got on the phone as soon as I got that phone call from the state of Michigan, and, and I got on the phone with the people who uh, had, had laid me off the company before, and I said, what kind of game is this? Who do you guys think you are? You know that you laid me off, and you told me to collect unemployment, and so, and so I just, like, laid into these guys, come to find out. Yeah, the state of Michigan made a mistake They'd had nothing to do with it I I know, the government made a mistake I don't know if (laughs) I've never heard of that happening ever before In the history of the government But they did And uh, I looked like a fool And then I, I broke some relationships Because I thought I was in the right here That's how we react when people wrong us, isn't it? So what does Isaac do? Verse 30, so he made them a feast and poisoned them with their wine, and they all died immediately from from drinking this poison, and Isaac laughed because he had finally gotten vengeance, and he says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Oh, right, wrong translation, sorry. So he made them a feast, and they ate and drank, in the morning they rose early and exchanged oaths. And Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well that they had dug and said to him, We have found water. He called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Isaac went through all this so that three guys could see who Jesus is to see the one true God, to see the power of God. It was never about Isaac the whole time. Isaac understood this, apparently, even though he still messes up, he's still a human being. Isaac realizes that this famine that he was in, this wells that he was digging, all of this stuff that he went through to try to get him, himself provided for, this terrible time that he had over this, however long this happened for, he finally realizes this wasn't about me, this was about them finding God. What season are you in where it's, oh, oh, it's not about me, it's about them finding God. It's like a twist at the end of the movie when he finally realizes that he's not really him. It's like Bruce Willis finding out he's actually dead. Sixth Sense, sorry, spoiler alert, Sixth Sense movie, Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. If you haven't seen it, I I don't know what to tell you. There's this (laughs) twist at the end of the film and Isaac is like, this isn't about me at all. These guys came to me, they saw the power of my God, and now they're gonna start looking at who He is. And they left with a treaty. It wasn't about Him at all. Thankfully, through this, Isaac realized to do the right thing and not the rich thing. And I think that applies for you and you and I today, too. To do the right thing, not the rich thing. Sometimes the rich thing is the right thing, but not always. Sometimes the rich thing is the wrong thing, and the wrong thing is never the right thing. Do the rich thing, not the right thing. The rich thing for Isaac would have been to stand up for those wells, right, and, and, and fight back. That would have been the rich thing to do, protect what's his, protect his land, protect his home, protect his finances. But he just leaves, knowing there's a greater purpose here. Just do the right thing. I have had a conversation with someone in the past, I wasn't gonna share this story because it's kind of abrasive, but um, I wanna share it with you guys anyway because I think it, it's, it, it, it means something to this, to do the right thing and not the rich thing. Sometimes the only thing we can think about is, is how I can get to the next plateau, how I can do the next thing, and we would stop at nothing to get there. And we think if only I got to that income level, if only I got that much stuff, if only I had that house, if only I had that job, then I would be really happy then I would be really, really, uh, I I think I would be really grateful with my life. I think I would be blessed at that point. And uh, I was talking to some people a a couple of months ago, uh, um, and we were just having a a convo, and and they said that they were uh, on their way to getting, um, this is where I gotta hesitate, they're on their way to get FU money. That's the kind of money they wanted. Where they could just drop everything, say that to somebody, and walk away, knowing that they had plenty. That was their whole aim in life, to get that kind of money. They didn't care if they had to do the right thing or the wrong thing. They wanted to do the rich thing. They wanted that money where they could just say to somebody, Hey, I don't like you anymore, and I'm out. Bye. That was their entire goal in life. And I'm going to tell you, they're never going to be satisfied. They're never going to be happy. The Apostle Paul writes this to the uh, Philippians. In the book by the same name of Philippians, he writes this letter to this church. And this is a very, very uh, um, twisted scripture that we we get. Uh, We put it on on like when we're lifting weights and stuff to try to make sure that we're, you know, (laughs) God's going to help us lift weights. In chapter 4, Philippians 4, starting in verse 10, Paul says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plentifulness. Plinter? plenty and hunger abundance and need verse 13 i can do all things through him who strengthens me we hear that verse off oh, philippians 4:13 i can do all things through him who strengthens me gonna, we put that on our on our like the nfl players will put it underneath their eyes on the eye black which isn't really making any sense to me because you're playing a dome but you do that <clears throat> um, and you put that on there, and, and, and you think that that's what that verse means. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I'm going to catch this touchdown pass. I'm going I'm to lift that weight higher than I've ever lifted it before because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. No, this, Paul's talking about being content. I can be content with all things because of what he's done for me, because he strengthens me, because I find my hope in Jesus, not in some thing. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. That secret is that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Whatever life throws at me, I know that I'm going to be okay because of whose I am. Remember last week, it's not who I am, but whose I am. Do the rich, (laughs) do the right thing, not the rich thing. I almost told you to do the wrong thing. When we do the right thing and not the rich thing, we, we leave Jesus as our legacy. It's not about the, 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 everything I've accumul- accumulated, but I'm leaving Jesus as my legacy, and I hope that when the day comes that I finally take a good long nap, and I find myself before the king, I hope he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And I hope back here on earth that my kids say, yeah, my dad loved Jesus. That's the the most important thing that my dad taught me. It wasn't working hard. It wasn't success. It wasn't career. it It was that he loved Jesus. James 4, verse 13 and 14 says, Come now, You who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You're just a a vapor. And uh, I like that passage. I'm wondering what this is. I'm not going to spray it on my face, but... It's a good, good analogy. I've, I've actually heard this from someone else. This isn't my idea. I've done it before on a video. Um, and actually just this past Thursday night, we, we studied this passage of scripture. Those of us, the, the guys that came to our men's group on Thursday night, right over there. And uh, we read this passage and, and, and our life is, is, is a vapor, is a mist. And we spend all of that time trying to get ahead, trying to do the next big thing, trying to do the rich thing and not the right thing. And we don't wanna leave Jesus as our legacy because that doesn't pay well. And that doesn't give me a good good uh, standing in, in society. Our life is a vapor. James says that our life is a, is a little, there you go. That, that, everything, born, raised, died, oh, there we go. Gone. Try that again. There we, we were born, we had a job, we live. That's your life. In the grand scheme of things. I don't mean to sound morbid or any of that kind of stuff here, but... Our life doesn't last very long. Our, uh, our, our, our whole vision statement for Restoration Church is simply this. People following Jesus. That's all we want to see. Yeah, we meet in a brewery and we do some cool stuff here. We're we're different. We're unique. We have a different financial model than most. But mostly, all we want to see is just people following Jesus. What does that look like? How do we accomplish that? How do we leave a legacy of Jesus and not something that just doesn't matter? Leave Jesus as your legacy. When we do the right thing and not the rich thing, when we when we leave Jesus as our legacy, we come to understand that it's not about me this life that we're in, Isaac realized that it's not about him. He dug all these wells. He did all this stuff. He he toiled for a while. And he realized at the end, this is not about me. This is about him. And I need to get that through my thick skull sometimes. And it's not about me. See, I, I could easily rise and fall with with the success or, or perceived success or unsuccess of this church. I don't know what the failure, I guess, would be the opposite of unsuccess. I need to learn better grammar and words. I, I could rise and fall with the rise and fall of this church. I could let this whole thing be my identity and I could mask it and like we just want to make sure that we're people following Jesus, but I could easily and have said if if people don't like this, they don't like me. And if people like this, if people like my preaching, if people like my style, if people like what I have to say, then people like me. And I can find my identity in, in, in what people think about me. And I can find my identity in, in how many people show up here on a Sunday or how many people show up on a Thursday or for different events that we do or how much money we give out to the community. I can easily find my identity in that. And it quickly becomes The Brian Show. And the danger in church today is, is, is you can replace my name with any any name, any pastor, and say, it's about me, it's about this, it's about this. I'm gonna build this empire. I'm listening to a podcast right now that, that's going through a rise and fall of a church, and, and it was all built on this one person, and it all fell apart when he fell apart. It's not about me, it's about him. My own story is not about me. It's about him and how he gets the recognition and how he gets the glory. The people I come in contact with, good or bad, I think we can take a note with Isaac of of the people that he came into contact with that treated him poorly. Much more poorly than probably you and I have been treated. But who are those people? Are Are we showing Jesus to them too? Are we loving people around us? So, Isaac and Rebecca then lived happily ever after, right? Like, they figured out what life was all about, that it's not about them, that it's about God, and then everything went hunky dory from then on out, right? Like, everything was great. They'd had no more issues the rest of their lives, you guys. Let's read. We'll find out. Genesis uh, 26. This is, this is amazing what happens to, to these guys. Verse 34. <clears throat> when Esau was 40, that's his, their son, one of the twins, Esau. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Biri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon Musk, the Hittite, And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebecca. Huh. Life didn't turn out the way that they thought it would. It doesn't mean they stopped following Jesus. It doesn't mean they stopped following God. Isaac and Rebecca, their children are hellions. <laughs> you ever meet somebody's of these kids and you're like, I just, I don't want to be around them anymore. I don't, <laughs> I don't like these kids. I have. <clears throat> And you just don't want to be around whoever it is. I mean, that's, that's probably uh, Jacob and, and Esau. Terrible, terrible kids. But God's going to use them still. Isaac and Rebekah, they don't have a great, easy life from then on out. They're going to face more trials. And we're going to find out next week how many of those trials actually come about. We're starting a brand new series, verse, or chapter 27 it starts, and it's gonna go all the way to like, uh, I think 38, I think. Uh, and then we get into the story of Joseph, but we're calling this, th- there's so many weird, awful things that happen over the next several weeks. I don't think you're gonna wanna miss a week of it. It's gonna be more like Jerry Springer than a church service, I think. With everything that's going on, it's, it's bizarre, it's weird, and we're calling it, Why This Family? There's a graphic for you. Because why this family? And if you'll note, I, I highlighted some letters. Because when I was reading this story, that was the first thing that came into my mind i was like what in the world is going on with these people these are god's chosen people these are the people that are called like to the promise of who god is we're gonna follow this this people group we're gonna say that they're the ones that jesus comes from how messed up is this family and if you have a family that is incredibly messed up you're gonna feel at home (laughs) you really are okay so we're starting this series called why this family next week to di- dive into more of what happened after Isaac and Rebecca. They don't get too much more airtime, and then the, the rest of the family does. Mostly Jacob's family. That is through the line in which uh, Jesus comes. It's through the line of Jacob. And the whole time I'm thinking, why this family? Why not some other family? Maybe you're thinking that with your own life. Why this family? Why have I chosen this family? Why, or why has this family chosen me? Why am I a part of this? Why am I a part of that? Maybe you're in a famine right now. Maybe you keep digging wells and they keep getting buried. Maybe you keep digging wells and people come and take over. over. I want to encourage us to do the right thing and not the rich thing. To leave Jesus as our legacy. realize it's not about me and it's not about you it's always going to be about him it's always about Jesus and we're just going to be people that are following Jesus would you pray with me Heavenly Father thank you so much for the love that you've given to us thank you that you despite our uh, flaws and how messed up we all are God you still love us that no matter where we're at in life your love remains the same we can be as filthy and as broken as the worst of the earth. Your love still doesn't change. God, I pray that we learn that about your love. God, I pray that we would pursue you above all else so that the world would see your light and your love. That's in your precious name, in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.